Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Evangelist Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Uh, You will find this in the New Testament section of our Pew Bibles, page 68, or on the screen. Would you join me in a prayer for illumination? Gracious God, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Since we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hunger for this heavenly food that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life, through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door is already has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? 
If the child asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Holy God, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you this day. Amen. The sermon title for today was suggested or perhaps inspired by our youth group. I had the the privilege of spending the past week with them in Knoxville, Tennessee. Some of you might have caught what the title is alluding to. It is the title of a song by Bon Jovi. It was a popular song in the youth's music playlists that we listened to as we replaced sheetrock in a home over the course of a week. The song tells the story of Tommy and Gina, a young couple trying to hold on to their faith while facing the hard realities of life. The part of the song most known by the youth is the refrain, which says, Whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa, living on a prayer. Take my hand, we'll make it, I swear. Whoa, living on a prayer. Every time the song came on, I found myself wondering what it is about it that made it so catchy. Now, given that the tune is well done. But I think there is something more to it. The words themselves carry a meaning that has a transcendent echo that connects with the experience of our youth and ultimately connects with all of our experiences in life and discipleship. The discipleship journey is about living on a prayer. Not in a fatalistic, carefree, everything is out of my control kind of way, but rather the words of the song point to a deep truth of discipleship, that living a life with Christ is a life defined by prayer, by a relationship that prayer opens the doorway for us to have with God. Prayer is central to Christian discipleship, and yet it is one of the most fretted about aspects of faith. How many times have you sat in a room at church, at a church gathering, and the leader issues a request for someone to pray, either to open the meeting or to bless the meal? Suddenly, the once bustling room becomes dead silent. Everyone looks down at the floor trying to avoid being picked to pray. If you were someone who had never been to church, you might wonder if prayer isn't more of a punishment than a gift. 
We get so worried about saying the right thing. I have a rule with the youth that they get one free prayer by me for the duration of the youth group year. They can choose when to cash it in, but beyond that one prayer, it is up to them to lead one another in prayer. They interestingly use great strategy in determining when to use up their free prayer. I don't do this because I don't enjoy praying for our youth or joining with them in prayer. I do it because I want them to learn that I don't have any better ways or words of praying than they do. I want them to learn that God hears all of our prayers, regardless of the words that are used or the length of the prayer. Just to be clear for all of us, neither Pastor Ray or myself took any special classes in seminary that equip us with any special secrets for praying. Being a pastor doesn't give us any direct line to God through prayer. Through Christ, we all, we all have been gifted with the opportunity to grow in relationship with God through prayer. This is reinforced through our scripture today, which can easily be misinterpreted as an instruction manual on prayer. While we tend to get caught up in the mechanics of prayer, our scripture points us towards the purpose of prayer. Our scripture text for today is unique in that upon first glance, it appears that Jesus is giving the disciples a direct answer about how to do faith. One of the disciples approaches Jesus and says, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus responds with the shorter version of what is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. The longer version that more closely aligns with the prayer that we say in worship weekly can be found in the Gospel of Matthew. It is easy to interpret Jesus' response as the magic words that unlock God's intercession in our lives, as though there is some algorithm, particular set of words, or particular composition of prayer that grabs God's attention more fully than others. Jesus' response to the disciples is less about the specific words that are spoken and more about the action itself. It is often easy in discipleship to confuse the theory with the thing, to want such clear, concise, and straight answers that the example becomes the rule. The Lord's Prayer is a wonderful tool to point us to a much broader and deeper understanding of prayer and its place in our lives as disciples. The prayer itself is not a secret code for speaking to God. It describes who our God is and what relationship God is desiring to have with us. Jesus prompts us to approach God as a parent. Abba, Father, we begin our prayers from a place of vulnerability and trust. Our relationship with God is shaped by our willingness to place our trust in God to be vulnerable, like a child with a parent. We take this further when we acknowledge the greatness of God through lifting up the hallowedness of God's name. 
The God we pray to that we approach with the intimacy of a child to a parent is the God who is greater than all our imagining. In naming God's holiness, we embrace that this is the God who Moses encountered in the burning bush who was too overwhelming to see face to face. Our God meets us personally, is all-powerful, transcendent, and also able to move the mountains. Jesus includes the petition of asking for our daily bread, not because God is likely to forget our needs, but because we are likely to forget that our power and authority has its limits. Despite our best efforts at controlling our lives and satiating our own needs, we cannot do it alone. It is our hubris, our assumption, it is in our hubris and our assumptions that we have complete control over our lives that we fall into the trap of sin and temptation. We ignore God and our need for God. We begin to see ourselves and our lives and our desires as the most important priority. We get caught up in chasing after things that we think will meet our needs, will make us happy, will make us secure, will heal our wounds. In the midst of that, our grace for others disappears. Suddenly, we have lost sight of our need for forgiveness and so refuse to offer such a thing to anyone around us. The prayer that Jesus offers to the unnamed disciple and ultimately to us is best understood through the lens of the parable and sayings that follow the prayer. Jesus doesn't end his response by saying, go and repeat these words so that God will give you what you will want or will hear your every need. Instead, God, uh, Jesus offers a parable about a neighbor reluctantly providing food and a parent offering nourishment to a child. These words from Jesus help to make clear that prayer isn't about the words you speak, but about the act of prayer as an opportunity to enter into a deeper relationship with God, where we, learn, where we lean in to the goodness and the graciousness of God. The parable centers around the insistence of the breadless neighbor who approached his, his other neighbor declaring what he needs. The scripture sometimes translates the action of the neighbor as persistence. He's persistent in asking for the bread. But the Greek word is better translated as shamelessness. God doesn't need us to nag God, repeatedly stating our prayers as though God is prone to forgetfulness. Rather, God wants us to be shameless or bold in our willingness to approach God and share our deepest and most fundamental needs. And sometimes we say that over and over and over again to God. God wants us to open up ourselves to standing before God in full honesty, open to admitting that we can't do this alone, that we need the love and support and strength and guidance of God. This willingness to approach God is framed within verses 9 and 10, where Jesus says, So I say to you, ask, 
and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I will admit, I find this to be one of the hardest pieces of scripture. Interestingly, it was the text that was chosen for the devotion on the first day of the youth mission trip. It was wonderful getting to discuss this text with our youth. One of my struggles with this piece of scripture and with prayer overall is that this text can be read to imply that it is up to me to pray hard enough to find just the right words or catch God at just the right moment in order to have my prayers answered. What might it look like if rather than placing all the emphasis on ourselves asking, searching, and knocking in just the right way, if we rather understood this call through the graciousness of God? The asking, searching, and knocking we are called into is not that of trying to persuade God into anything. It is an opening of ourselves to trusting that God is walking beside us in and through all things, offering us a path forward even when the way may feel unclear. When we ask, search, and knock, we are acknowledging that God is greater than all the challenges we may face in our lives, and God will bring hope, love, and redemption regardless of the situation. Jesus makes clear that our trust, our willingness to approach God with everything that we are will be met with the profound, all-encompassing love and graciousness of God. Jesus' remark, Jesus's remark about, about a parent not giving a child a scorpion or a snake illustrates that if we, we in our humanity and our sinfulness know better than to offer a snake or a scorpion to a child in need, then God must be able to offer something even greater in that profound graciousness to us. I have to say, spending the week with the youth is truly a gift. If you are looking to reinvigorate your faith, to energize your soul, to reorient your faith life, come spend time with the youth. They have so much to offer in terms of joy and humor and curiosity and deep, deep faithfulness. There is so much that can be gained by everyone through engaging in multi-generational relationships. As I journeyed beside the youth over the week, there were different instances where prayer popped up. Now, prayer is usually one of the harder spiritual disciplines to get youth to jump into. It can feel overwhelming and embarrassing and complicated. Like all of us, there is often a feeling among the youth that prayer requires knowing the right words or saying the right things. On Thursday night, all of the youth were invited to get into their individual church groups and spend time praying together. Now, I will admit at first, I was less than excited for this activity. 
I was worried it would feel forced and, and that the youth wouldn't be interested. We all sat in a circle and took turns with someone moving into the center, and then two people would offer to pray for the person in the middle. The spirit came into that place in that prayer time. The youth lifted each other up in prayer in meaningful and spirit-led ways. They spoke truth about each other to God. They welcomed Christ into their hearts and their lives fearlessly being willing to knock and ask and search and pre prepare themselves for whatever path God is setting before them. That prayer time wasn't about the words that were spoken. It wasn't about finding just the right way to reach out to God. It was about being in relationship with the one who will never forsake us, whose love is abounding, steadfast, as I reflected on this experience of prayer by our youth, I, I wondered how we, together as the body of Christ, can open ourselves to such a relationship. How we can set aside the questions and the worries about the mechanics of prayer and embrace the purpose of prayer, that of growing in our relationship with God. Christian writer Anne Lamott writes in Traveling Mercies, that our, best, our two best prayers are, help me, help me, help me, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Just as our scripture is an invitation into prayer as a tool for building our relationship with God, I invite you all in this next period of worship to step out in faith the way our youth did and spend time in prayer. We are going to have an opportunity for personal prayer time this morning. What might you ask of God? What might you ask God for help with or to thank God for? What might you need to share with God that you lack the words to speak? What might be the obstacle that you are facing to fully opening up yourself to God's love and compassion? In these next moments, I invite you to pray. Pray in whatever way God is calling you. Pray with an open heart. Please join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you this day. May your spirit wash over all of us. May you guide us and help us open ourselves, sharing fully all that we are with you, that we would not hide anything back, and that in these next few moments, we might approach you as a child approaches a parent.
Lord, we echo the simple words. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Help us, help us, help us. May your spirit guide us as we prepare to move out into the world. People seeking to be in relationship with you.